your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. We're available wherever you want us. This podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Tonight's show, uh, the first segment, is going to require some trigger warnings about sexual assault, uh, abuse, and, and certainly a lot of the psychological impacts of the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault case. Uh, This one actually will pertain to the Jets. I'm sure by now you've probably heard about it. I thought I would spend some time talking about it and ultimately what this means for Winnipeg because Kevin Sheveldayoff has been directly implicated as having been a member of the meeting to discuss what to do regarding the allegations against Bradley Aldrich which we now know nothing actually occurred after that. You know, whatever happened at the meeting and whatever was discussed, ultimately nothing came of it. After that, I'll talk about uh, some of the Jet stuff over the past weekend. I don't even want to talk about hockey this evening, but, you know, it did happen. I, you know, I, I guess it is important to cover the season, and I don't want to go on for too long about the Shovel Day Off situation because it is still developing, and obviously there's a lot of facts that need to come out. And I think people need to read the statements made by the team, made by the staff, and certainly read the, the report that's come out. Because I see a lot of people who think Sheveldayoff didn't know or, or stand by him in this situation. And I think they really need to look at what exactly transpired. You know, you need to use some critical thinking in this whole situation. This is obviously very complex, and it impacts a lot of people, most of all the victims and their families, but an uncomfortable number of people have already taken a side in favor of, or even defending some of the people who have been accused so far. So, we'll start off with this. Sheveldayoff earlier this year in July said that he had had a meeting where he had heard about the sexual assault allegations that were being leveled against Bradley Aldrich. He didn't really indicate how much he knew or the degree to which they had discussed it, but at the time it basically made it sound like it was sort of uh, an offhand sort of thing, there wasn't a lot to it, and that his knowledge was fairly limited. Then this morning, The Athletic put out a piece about Paul Maurice as a great human being and all that, and I I didn't really think anything of it at the time. But then, you know, just a couple of hours later, it broke that Kevin Sheveldayoff had actually been part of a core group of uh, executives from the Blackhawks organization that had met to discuss what to do about the Aldridge allegations. This was in 2010. It sounded like before the playoff run, which ultimately led to a cup. And from the current details that have come out of the investigation and the report, it basically sounds like everyone, in so many words, agreed to either let it go or bury it just enough to get through the playoffs and then deal with it afterwards, which kind of disputes parts of what Sheveldayoff had said earlier. He indicated that his level of knowledge regarding the situation was very limited, and maybe something was not entirely disclosed during his meeting with the others. But if you're meeting with Stan Bowman, as well as a significant chunk of the entire executive staff of the Blackhawks, you would think that in this whole conversation that was apparently based around the whole allegation situation and what to do about it, 
somewhere in there, you would have to think that there is a certain level of understanding and uh, certainly evaluation on Shovel Day Off's part about what was being said to him and what he was finding out and learning. And from anonymous accounts surrounding the team and certainly players who have kept their identities a secret at the moment, you know, it, it sounds like everyone kind of knew already what was going on. I don't know if that extended to Shovel Day Off and the rest of the staff, but certainly coaches knew it, players knew it, players were even insulting uh, the, some of the victims and stuff, openly using slurs and harassing them over the sexual assaults, which, you know, um, I don't even know what to say about that other than as just despicable. But the more that comes out, the more it sounds like everyone seemingly did their best to kind of maintain a cone of silence. It doesn't seem like all that many people were willing to speak up. There were a couple of uh, coaches and staff who actually did say something and even reported it, but after that, things went notably quiet. Now, fast forward to today, and, and suddenly the results of the investigation have come out. Stan Bowman has resigned. Anyone within the staff that was part of the 2010 team has since departed as well. Basically, everyone kind of cleaned house themselves and, and left of their own accord because they knew that the story was breaking and that they were on the outs anyways. All of this then kind of ties back into Shovel Day Off having been name-dropped. He was one of five people who was part of this core group of folks who were being discussed and, and certainly having involvement in this particular meeting. And even if Shovel Day Off didn't necessarily have a particular say in what occurred or ultimately the final decision that was made, ultimately he does bear responsibility in how much he knew, whether he decided to report it or not, and everything that happened afterwards, because Aldrich was then let go and he took on the role of a, a coach or something at a local high school and there he committed even more sexual assaults. And so in allowing him to go free, basically, the team is now responsible for all of the victims that happened after he left the team. And Shovel Day Off does have to answer for this. I mean, he has, whether he realizes it or not, has some sort of a role in this whole process. A lot of people are kind of like, well, let's pump the brakes, let's wait for the facts, and I, I do understand that, but I also think you have to use, at, at some point, a little bit of discretion and understand from all of the information that's out there, Shovel Day Off had to know something. You just don't go into the situation and not know. If you're caught into a meeting like this, it's because you have knowledge of the events or you're about to find out. It's hard to say that Shovel Day Off explicitly lied in his original statement, but I don't think he really disclosed the whole truth, which for me is lying through omission. It's a little bit different, but for me personally, it should still be considered very bad or even just as bad, right? If you omit what you knew and you basically try to indicate that your level of knowledge and your involvement with the process was limited, and really it was a little bit more than that, you would have to be held responsible for that, and I think this whole situation is is very uncomfortable. Obviously, I feel very much for the victims. I don't really know what Winnipeg is supposed to do now other than fire Shovel Day off. I don't really feel that he can remain on the staff, and people have said, well, you know, he can't just get rid of him on the, on the information that we know now and all that stuff. But if this was your place of employment and you had a similar situation, you know for a fact that the people who would be in that position more than likely would be out, unless there was a mechanism protecting them. But you would not want to stand in their corner and fight for them if you knew the allegations and you understood that there was substantive evidence of their involvement. Fans need to have that same standard for people in positions of power, especially when it comes to pro sports teams and stuff like that. Just because it's your favorite team does not absolve them of the crimes they may or may not have committed. And I don't know that Shovel Day Off is explicitly guilty with everything that's happened, but either way, I think the decision has to be pretty clear. He has to be let go. I don't have any easy answers for what comes after this. I really don't. 
and it's possible or even probable that Shovel Day Off still has a job at the end of all of this. Whatever happens though, justice has to be done and the truth has to come out somehow. I'll continue to update the situation as it develops and as we move along, but for now we are going to transition to talking about some of the Jet stuff as the regular season is still underway, and then, you know, if, if things come out throughout this podcast and maybe there are further updates, I'll talk about it later in the show, but for now, we're going to move to uh, talking about Winnipeg versus Nashville, and then maybe some early thoughts from Anaheim versus Winnipeg. Before we move on, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place to do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. So start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Go to DirecTV.com for more information. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. I did want to spend some time talking about some of the on-ice situations right now as the Jets are currently still working on a lot of different things. They're without Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. They continue to have to play games even with everything kind of unfolding off the ice, which I'm sure is a, a very complicated process right now. But, you know, before all of this broke, we did have a game in Nashville against the Preds. This game for Winnipeg I thought was probably one of their strongest of the past couple of games that we've had so far. I know the scoreline looked pretty bad. As you can guess from that 6-4 scoreline, there were quite a few goals conceded by the Jets, although most of it was on the penalty kill. At even strength, Winnipeg was generally the better team. I thought that a couple of guys had very good nights. Pierre-Luc Dubois, again, another standout performance. Veselainen scored his first NHL goal. And in general, pretty much everyone seemed to be clicking in most of their roles. The only one that you really couldn't say was, was functioning at all was the penalty kill, which continues to be a problem no matter who's on it. I think it's more a systems issue and not just a personnel issue. I know some people have talked about David Gustafson maybe being the answer to fixing it. I can tell you right now, Gustafson would not save a penalty kill that frankly does not pressure enough, does not use enough spacing, and allows teams too much space to take apart You know, Winnipeg's PK structure, pass between the lanes, get those cross-slot passes moving, and all of that sort of stuff that tends to give Winnipeg absolute fits. The Jets are also really bad at dealing with screened passes and shots. This is something that has been a recurring issue. 
because the Jets like to keep stuff, you know, outside to the perimeter or whatever they, they describe it as, the Jets ultimately give up a lot of point shots that get tipped in. And I think that kind of ties back into the lack of aggression on the penalty kill and, and certainly the spacing that they're allowing other teams to use. So if the Jets could work on that, I think at even strength, you know, they, they have enough talent to mostly make it as is. I still think the Jets will have issues against stronger outfits and stuff, teams that can honestly create at even strength and push the pace. I think that that kind of team is going to be really difficult for Winnipeg to contain, especially with a relatively leaky and new back end. But on the penalty kill, that is the main concern. If they can figure out how to stymie some of the chances against on the penalty kill and maybe give Hellebuck more of a break, you know, the Jets are probably going to be fine and make the postseason. They also need to resist the temptation to put Wheeler back on the first line with Mark Shifley once both are, are returning from COVID. I think that is going to be what happens anyways, because we all know Maurice and the coaching staff really like that unit. It has been a constant throughout the past couple of years that uh, Connor Shifley and Wheeler all play together. When you separate Connor and Shifley away from Wheeler, you immediately notice a difference. Both of Wheeler's line mates tend to look a lot faster. They're able to create more effectively. They don't have to worry about any sort of trailing skaters who aren't keeping up with them. In general, you just notice that they're more aggressive, and I think that is a big difference for the Jets and something that that first line has sort of lacked for the past couple of years. Now that they've got Kopp, Stastny, Ehlers, and then on the second line, Sveshnikov, Dubois, and whoever else can fit in, usually Connor there, the Jets have a lot more balance. I think that this top six honestly works better because it just limits the amount of time that Wheeler is on the ice. Blake, we all love him. He's the captain. But unfortunately, you know, age has kind of caught up to him, and you can sort of tell that he can't really log 20-plus minutes a night. I think that that's one of the biggest issues with the Jets, and once you stop having it be an issue, Winnipeg improves a lot. I mean, at even strength, yeah, they're still going to have issues creating, but overall, I thought that the game against the Preds showed at least a, a decent amount of initiative, a, a good amount of aggression. I thought the Jets generally controlled the play. The only time that they really struggled was on the penalty kill. And of course, they did kind of let off the gas a little bit once they had a significant lead, but you can't really be too upset about that. I think the Jets letting off a bit and not necessarily pressuring the full uh, 60 is, is not the worst, so long as they're capable of at least boxing out when they need to and uh, giving Hellebuck some support. But otherwise, if they let off the gas a bit after a major lead, it's probably not the worst. It's just when they start taking undisciplined penalties, that's when they get into trouble, and they do that a lot. And it's also kind of alarming that they always put out Shifley and some of the other guys who are really defensively poor on the extra man situations when the other team has the goalie pulled. I feel like for some reason Winnipeg just keeps using guys who honestly don't really have PKing ability, because that's basically what you're doing, is you're basically doing an empty net PK. And Winnipeg doesn't often call on its more defensively stalwart players for this, so... Not really sure about that. Uh, you know, a couple of things I think they can work on and fix over the next couple of weeks. I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens anyways off the ice that maybe shapes and informs what happens on the ice. But for now, you know, we can only talk about these games as what is occurring right now. And at least for this game, I thought the Jets played a pretty competent outing. In just a moment, we'll check in on how the Jets are faring against the Anaheim Ducks on the road. It is a 9 o'clock game, so if you're awake, you might be watching this already, and you might have already seen the Jets currently struggling, but if you're not, you know, uh, you'll catch up in the morning, and hopefully the Jets can give you at least some relief from some of the craziness that has happened over the past 24 hours. Before we dive into this game in more detail, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why rockauto.com should be the only place you buy your auto parts. Before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why rockauto.com is the best place to buy your auto parts. There are literally thousands and thousands of vehicles out there, and it's really hard for auto parts stores to keep up stocking parts, accoutrements, and everything in between. 
You might stand in line for 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes waiting for your chance to buy the part that you need, and you find out they don't even have it in stock. If you want to save time and money, then just go to rockauto.com instead. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you'll always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are taking a live look into Anaheim versus Winnipeg for those of you who even care and have been watching. Suffice it to say that if you have been watching this first period, you'd probably like to just delete your memories because, let's be honest, the Jets kind of got their teeth kicked in. Uh, we even saw such wonderful sights as Nate Bolu at wing alongside Cop and Ehlers. Nate Bolu at wing. I, I, I don't even know where to begin with this team sometimes. Um, I don't know. The Jets just really struggled against Anaheim's forecheck. The Ducks were faster. They were stronger. They forced turnovers. They capitalized on Winnipeg's mistakes. Uh, constantly, the Ducks were hitting Hellebuck, you know, in the low slot area. They stripped a lot of turnovers. I thought Anaheim was just better at about everything. And the only reason that the Jets really weren't down was thanks to Hellebuck being very good at reacting to some very difficult deflections and uh, a couple of shots that went wide that we're honestly looking pretty dangerous. So, yeah, I don't know. Several games into the season, this is the last time that the Jets are playing the Ducks, and somehow Winnipeg doesn't know how to deal with Anaheim's pressure at all. It's like this team is still basically on autopilot, which, I mean, maybe it is. I, I don't know. It's been a strange day in Jets land, let's be honest, but, I mean, yeah, some of the stuff that was happening in this game, it's just the same old stuff that we're used to with Winnipeg. The Jets struggling against poor teams that seemingly have their number for no particular reason. It's kind of a recurring trend with this team. And it's not like the game against Anaheim that the Jets won was actually all that well played. Winnipeg had decent stretches and all, but, you know, it wasn't anything that was particularly dominant or impressive. The game against the Preds, I thought, was a lot better and more well-rounded, even if the PK was still kind of a disaster. So, yeah, this game, first period, I thought it was appallingly bad. I've seen worse from the Jets, and it's usually when they concede like five or six goals or something crazy, but even then, it just felt like the Jets at no point actually controlled this game. The only time that they actually created offense was when they were on the power play. Otherwise, the neutral zone was shut down, Winnipeg couldn't get out of its own zone, and the offensive zone support was very limited to the point where, you know, as soon as the Jets had like a zone entry, Ehlers might be standing around waiting for a couple of other guys, maybe PLD has a really good drive towards the slot, creates one or good uh, scoring opportunities, but then the other skaters aren't really anywhere to support anyone else. I mean, it's like two to three guys rolling in deep, and then everyone else is somewhere off doing something, which means Anaheim can overload the puck carrier side and basically force the turnover immediately, then counter all together as a unified cohesive unit, which gave the Jets absolute fits. So I feel like the Jets not figuring this stuff out is, is just baffling. I know that the coaching staff for a lot of folks hasn't really been up to snuff over the past couple of years, but if you've played the same team like three times over the last two weeks and you still don't know how to deal with their pressure and press, uh, especially the gap control and the forced turnovers and, and all that, I don't really know what you're doing. I mean, it's it's 
a lineup that should not look this bad. I mean, it's it's going to be a, a bit of a learning curve with some of these guys as they kind of associate to new roles and get used to some of the tactical changes. But Winnipeg in general, man, just really uninspiring. Um, and if you were hoping that the Jets would actually come out guns firing and looking really strong in this first period, well, you were a bit let down. I'll have some more thoughts on this game on tomorrow's episode, but for tonight, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms. As always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!